welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. C.J. Reynolds, I run this YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds, where I try to create, right? My attempt is to create engaging, motivating, like actually relevant help for teachers in their classrooms, right? Um, and I do this by not being the greatest teacher in the world, right? Like uh, if you came to my classroom, you'd be like, this dude's pretty regular. But I just find that like as teachers, one of the things that's amazing for all of you here on the sides is that your ordinary is often somebody else's extraordinary. And I realize I sound like a bumper sticker like that. Maybe one day I'll sell bumper stickers because even though I'm not a kind of guy that would ever put a bumper sticker on his car, but whatever, that's a whole other story. The idea here though is like, us, all of us on the sides here, using what we've got to help one another out. So we do this live feed. There's also like over 300 videos on YouTube that I've created. I also have online PD platform called Upgrade Ed that you can find at UpgradeEd.Education. You can also get private mentoring. I can come speak at your school. There's a private Facebook group that's called Teacher. Why do I forget what it's called? Huh? It's real rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk. Like that is a big stretch from the name of everything else that we've had. <laughs> um, so all that stuff is available because I just know what it's like. I just know what it's like to be in the classroom. I lost my crap this week in class and like yelled and it did not feel good, but it's what needed to happen. And I want to talk about that a little bit tonight, maybe. And oh, and I even have a book coming out in March that I just had a little real quick kind of update on this is I had the artist come in. Um, the, if you go on Instagram, you can look up Culture's Clothing and that's the artist that's going to do the cover for my book. And he came in this week and like took pictures of, of me and my students. And he's going to do like mock-ups and drawings and it's like graffiti art of the students like on the cover. And so I'm supposed to get those mock-ups this week to see what they're going to look like. And then once I have some of that stuff, I'll like start sharing it because I'm just like so excited, even though the book doesn't come out till March. And then I'm trying. I'm tr should I tell them who I'm trying to get the forward from? Oh, sure. I'm trying to get my man Gary V to write the forward for the book for me or the introduction. And so that is my plan. I've met with him twice. I've been up to his place. Like he you knows who I am. DM Gary and tell him. Should we get everyone? The yes. I, maybe I will. I'll, I'll ask. I'll wait till later until everyone's on here. Okay. I'll wait till Nayar is on here. She usually just stops by halfway through when she's on lunch in China. Um, so that's the gig. What's uh, up, cute? You don't have to do that because we just see you go by it anyway. <laughs> it's even louder. Um, so I'm going to jump into questions and yes. And then I got some questions ahead of time that I want to address also that like people hit me up. So I just want to make sure that I answer those as well. But um, first question is, Helena Lee is asking, how do you handle a lying principle and the uses of power to intimidate employers and students? Man, that's a heavy question. I see this is. Here's my answer from afar. I don't know your school. I don't know your principal. I've never been there. And the reason I even have that caveat in the beginning, it's not because like, I'm nervous to answer it or something like that, but I just don't want to, uh, I, I don't know all the specifics, but I know that from my own past, right? So like I, here, here's a true story. When I was in Camden, uh, I taught at a school in Camden. I once got paid one summer too much money 
Like I got, it was like the equivalent of like two paychecks at the end of the year. And so I went to um, the principal at the time and I said, Hey man, I got too much money. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what to do with it. And he's like, Oh, I'm, I don't have anything to do with that. You got to go see this person. So I went and saw that person. They sent me to another person. They sent me to another person. They finally sent me to the business office to the woman that actually cuts the checks who like sat in an office and was kind of like the, the great powerful Oz, like no one really addressed her. And so I went in and I said, Hey, look, I got two checks. I don't know what this is. I don't know if it was like bonus stuff or like things like we used to get paid for doing like covering other each other's classes and stuff. But I said, I got too much money and I don't, I'm not sure what to do. Like, how do I return this? And she was like, do you want to give that money back? I do my job right. This is what she said. I do my job right. And that is your, those are your paychecks at the end of the year. And I thought, all right, sounds good to me. Like, if you're saying that's that, like, maybe I wasn't paying attention. I don't know where I would have got that money from. I go to make long story short, I go ahead and I like pay my mortgage in advance for the summer. Cause I didn't get paid all summer. And I worked like four jobs at like Home Depot and digging holes and mowing lawns and all this crap in the summer. Um, pay my electric bill. I pay the gas bill, all this stuff, right, with this extra money that I have. And it was like such a burden off my shoulders. Well, later than that week, I go to hit debit and there's no money in my account. It's been overdrawn. And then I start getting all these charges for checks that have bounced because the school direct deposited that money. And then they reversed the direct deposit and they re like refused to take uh, responsibility for it. And now I'm not only getting hit with bounced checks, but I'm getting hit with like bills from all over the school and stuff like that, or from all these different companies and from my mortgage company. And, and it was like a hot mess of disaster. So I didn't know what to do with that. So I went to the highest guy up, right? The guys that ran the school and they just said, we're really sorry that that happened. So like, bro, what are you talking about? What do you mean you're sorry that it happened? Like, this is my actual life that we're dealing with here and the security of my family and my home and all this stuff. So I think you have a couple of options here. I think either you get a group of trusted individuals to sit down with the principal and have a very clear, open talk about what's going on or the vice principal or who, like whoever, whoever you think that person is and power that is that is lying. And so if it's your principal, you're saying that's who I would do it with. If not, I would show up to a board meeting and express my concerns. And look, I know that like jobs are sacred. I know that people put a lot of time and years into their to their schools and into their classrooms. And it's like your health benefits and your school and like your kids and all this stuff. I just know that standing up for what you really know is right is always the right decision. And I do not say that lightly because if somebody makes a move and they go do something and they get fired and then they go, damn, it was Reynolds' fault because he said that. I just know last year when I felt like my son was getting dogged by our school district and was not getting any services met that he needed, that my wife went to that school district meeting and in the face of danger, like stood up in front of everyone and said, you know, the people on the, like, these three people on the stage are not doing their job. And I'm going to break it down as to why that I think that that's the truth. And so I think it's speaking truth to power sometimes is the most courageous thing that you can do. And outside of that, it's like banding, not in some kind of weird coup. Like, I don't know what I want to call it weird or a coup, but like I would just find allies in the school, people that feel the same way and aren't afraid to stand up for that stuff as well. And if that means that you have to go to another school or you have to change something, like, do not take that stuff lying down. I, I would never, ever, ever do that. And um, 
I ended up subsequently leaving that school. And then I went on to be at my school, which for the first few years was fantastic. And then there was a hiccup. And now this year is a real, is really doing much, is, is really great. Like our, you know, and I want to talk about that later because I want to talk about my, something someone else already emailed me about and I want to address on here. Um, but that's what I would do. Uh, yes, I think that's my answer. Here's my question also. I, I know I call on this guy a lot. My man, Richard Royster is somewhere here in the chat. Richard, what would you, what, what do you think about that? Richard Royster is an assistant principal in Kentucky and he has a YouTube channel um, that basically focuses on his school. And I'm just wondering what you as an administrator would think about like, teachers that are lying and how people can deal with them both. And both so he answered so. it, him what and Tracy, because Tracy is a union rep also. They're both saying that join your union and professional organizations and document and make copies of um, emails yep. and um, things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's important also is to make sure you're documenting. Oh, absolutely. And things. then I think you just have to stand up for it. Yeah, because like what we've learned, even in IEP meetings, is people can say whatever they want. But yeah. if it's not recorded, if it's not documented, they can go, you didn't say that. What are you talking about, bro? And and that is like, we've been in situations so where they were like, we'll call, give you this. And then later I said, hey, what? We're, we're still waiting on this, like this service. Like it never showed up. And they're like, you didn't say that. I'm like, no, bro. Like you literally said it in the meeting. Like I remember you saying like this, this, and this. And then it didn't show up. So it was just a nightmare. Um, and now now we, <laughs> we homeschool. Uh Donnie awesome. DiCaprio is saying, hi, Mr. Reynolds. I, uh, I want to decorate my classroom to make it interactive and fun for students. Would you care if others judge? No, Donnie, uh -oh. I get judged all the time. Or, or I did, right? I think anytime, I, or I won't say anytime. I just know that teachers, let's back this up. Let's just back up to in my life, when I've gone above and beyond, I've always gotten crap for someone. So whether it's having a YouTube channel or thinking I have the audacity to make online professional development or the audacity to have be like an online mentor or the audacity to like even my locker in high school, I customized my locker in high school. It had custom shelves in there. It had a light that came on when you open that thing up. I mean, it was tight and I got crap from my friends. Well, guess what, bro? Like that's just who I am. I think lean into who you are. And then what ends up happening is you become known as the guy that does that or the girl that does that. Like you're the, you're the teacher that's always doing that crazy stuff that like the loud, like you, you just become known as that. And it's not so crazy anymore. And I'm not the only person in my school like this. Like there's other oddballs in my school that go above and beyond and do crazy stuff and have crazy people come in. And it's like, you just get known for that. And then um, it, that goes away pretty quickly. Are we having issues? Are we? I don't know because our Google Home is going that's so back there. And this one keeps buffering, but that's not. This and looks that's fine. Not... Can, okay. Am I coming through all right? I feel like, yeah. I feel like our camera's a little smudgy looking over there, but <laughs> a, little, a little blurry. <laughs> um, John Lopez is asking if you could go back in time and give yourself advice as a first year teacher, what would you say? I would say. The best advice I ever got was from Dr. Jorgensen, who was a professor of mine at Rowan University. And she said, don't wait to be the teacher you always wanted to be. And I 
think I would remind myself, like tell myself to listen to that. Like, do not wait. Don't wait till three years in a day till you have tenure. Don't wait till you learn the ways of the school or anything like that. Like, um, I think that would be my number one thing. If I gave myself another bit of advice, it would be to become part of the community. Don't try and be the one teacher that's going to like change the whole school. There's that, that is, that is a really kind of prideful move for teachers to think that like they're the only one in their school. And maybe, maybe you are, but there's other people that want to be awesome too. And I think if you partner with them, you might have, there's a better chance of you guys, of you all like doing something together. So look for that community and grow with them and do cool stuff together instead of just, you know, alone in the wilderness. Which is a great show, by the way, Alone in the Wilderness. That's that one with Dick Pernicky, the old guy that lives in Alaska by himself. It's oh, on PBS oh, all the time God. whenever they're doing like a I fundraiser. That show. Yo, that show is the best. I man made a bowl out of a, I tree, know. a bump on a tree. How many times can we watch it though? Dude, you could watch it forever. <laughs> No, it's like a Christmas story or Elf <coughs> or Alone in the Wilderness. You just no. watch it over and over again. Claire S is at our, I'm sorry, Claire S is asking first year teacher here. Congratulations. Um, how do you deal with being really frustrated with a student and then still giving them a fresh start the next day? Teaching is exhausting. Claire, this is the story of my life. I have this new idea. <laughs> I think. In ancient culture, I think Sisyphus was a teacher in his in his afterlife. Um, if anyone knows, I gotta move over a little bit. The glare from this. There's like a glare coming off the window whenever I move. It's, oh no, it's from the chandelier. It's doing this like making me look angelic. Uh, if you don't know Sisyphus, there's this story about Sisyphus and his rock, and he has to like roll this giant boulder. This is his punishment for I forget what he did, but he has to roll this boulder up the hill. When he gets to the top of the mountain, rather the Boulder rolls down and he has to roll it back up again. That is what I feel like as a ninth grade teacher because I feel like every year I push that boulder all the way to the top of the mountain and it gets somewhere. And the kids are feeling better and I'm feeling better and things are moving smoothly. And then all of a sudden, the next year comes and there goes the boulder all the way down the mountain again. I got to start over again. I think by reminding yourself the way that you, that you do this, right? So the question is, how do you like – lose it on a student or a student loses it. And then you start fresh the next day. I think by remembering one that they are just kids and we forget this all the time. And that is not an excuse. It's a reason like kids do not have the wherewithal to deal with their anger all the time to deal with their stuff. And we are called upon to deal with a lot more that we can actually handle. And I often pull students aside and go, look, I lost my cool the other day. I should never lose my cool in, in school. I, I just don't think that I should do it, but it happens. Right. And sometimes I know it's going to happen and I, I feel like the Hulk and it just comes out and I explode. And then I'm like, all right, that was a bad move. I did it last week. Um, and so when you do that, I think going to that student the following day and saying, look, I should never do that. Like I'm a grown up, right. I should be able to handle my stuff, but this is what got me there. And let's talk about what's going on. And I want you to know that more than anything, I care about you. I care about your like and your success in school. Now, look, sometimes I lose my cool on kids on purpose because I know that's what's needed in the moment. Um, but largely, I'd like to handle things calmly. 
but sometimes calm is just out of it's just not like when there's six dudes out of their seat after the bell rang and they're all walking around or they're touching each other or pushing each other or throwing something bro it's going down in a different way and so i get them all together and then i say all right this is what's going to happen going forward so it's like it is checking yourself every day. And one of the ways, to be honest with you, one of the ways that I do that, that I get myself mentally prepared to do that, because I can't just walk in and do it. When I am meditating in the morning, I literally picture that person, whether it's a kid or a teacher, I picture that person and I only, and this sounds so woo-woo, but I swear to you, it works for me. I just picture um, myself kind of like sending them like love or like positive energy or whatever you want to call it. Right. But like, I, it just works because otherwise in my head, I'm re I'm going over that story again and again and again about how mad I am or how pissed off I am or how could they do that? Or I hear them saying the thing that they said that like really kind of hit me. And instead I have to stop that in its tracks. And I, but I need to replace it with something else. I can't just drop something. I need to pick something else back up. And I find that that just really helps me. And But I got to force myself. It is not something that comes natural. It's not something that necessarily feels good. But it puts me in that place to be able to walk into school and handle my stuff. Uh, Hannah Maxwell is asking, what would you suggest to help not get anxious for student teaching? Um, Hannah, I think whenever I'm going to speak somewhere and I'm really nervous. I like to know what the room's going to look like, how many people are going to be in the room, how long I'm going to be speaking for, like to get a real vision of what that looks like. Cause otherwise you're, you're left to your own devices and you start imagining things that are like not really going to happen. Like that you start like picturing rowdy kids or, or whatever. So, um, before a student taught, I would make sure to like go into that room ahead of time and, just stand in the front and get a sense of like what it's going to feel like to stand in front of that room and address those students. What's it going to feel like as you're teaching to move around those aisles and stuff? And then that that will help. And then look, there, I swear to you, like this is 15 years in and I have all this stuff on YouTube and the books coming out and all, all this stuff. Right? It makes me kind of like look like a big deal sometimes to people. But I'm not. I still get nervous every year. Every year, the night before school starts, I have to drink a little bit of extra wine so that I sleep through the night that night. Or um, I have to like exercise a little bit harder or like I can't just lay around that day because I need to sleep. But every year, I wake up a little bit too early because it's like a mixture of excitement and nervousness. And I would say that also nervousness feels an awful lot like excitement and vice versa. So it's not just being nervous. It's just you being excited also. But just know that it happens to everyone. Some of the best teachers I literally have ever known. I used to work with a guy in Camden who was Mr. McDougal, who's like one of the best teachers I've ever seen in my life. And I remember him saying that he still got nervous the night before. Like it just happens. And so I just loved knowing that because it made me feel better. Um, so yeah, just... To tell yourself that it's excitement and you can't wait to start. And that's what it actually is. And that's, that's kind of where I go with or what I go with this one. Yeah. Two. Uh, Jaeger Riley is asked, I think that's right. Is it Jagger Riley? I'm going to say Jaeger. I don't even know. Cause as everyone knows, uh, my ability <laughs> to say people's names is poor and, and terrible. How do you get comfortable being really strict 
but not coming across as nitpicky. My school wants me to be really strict and give me and give more punishments or else they won't have me come back next year. So I think that depends on like what your class looks like though. Right. So I don't know if, is your class like a little bit out of control? Like, are you having trouble with classroom management? Cause that might be why they're asking you to implement that. So I would say this, there's a lot of things that I'm, I'm going to put this right out there. My friend, Miss Cho, who was my best friend at school, Cho and, uh, and I won't leave Yonkers out also. Cho and Yonkers are my best friends, right? So Cho is in charge of discipline. She is the student dean in charge of all discipline this year. Miss Yonkers is in charge of the special ed department, right? If there's a number of things that Cho needs me to do every day, and things I'm supposed to write up, things I'm supposed to call home to parents about, I'm going to say it right now on, on and she very well might hear this, or if she doesn't, friggin' turtle's going to go tell her anyway. I don't do all of those things. And the thing is, is because I know what I'm trying to build with students. And so look, I don't, I'm not. Why is beeping? Why is, what is beeping? Is it the phone? I think it's the phone. I think the phone's dying. Because the kids leave it off the hook yeah. everywhere. Because we have a house phone and we have, it sounds like 24. Hurry up, it sounds like something's <laughs> going to explode in here. So, um, because I know. I have a sense of what I'm really doing. And so I know that calling home just pisses kids off. It doesn't ever, almost never have any has the effect that I want it to have. So I just don't call home about things. And I don't write every single thing up because I'd rather give kids the benefit of the doubt. Now, look, if I do eventually have to write someone up, I will say, given the students several opportunities, I was waiting for it to see if it was going to work out and I was giving them the benefit of the doubt. And it didn't. Right, like like they still the, the behavior persisted. Jeez. Um, so it's tricky. Like I would play ball, like do what your school is asking you to do, but like if you feel like you don't have to be on 10 all the time, then don't. Like I think having a here's here's my answer to this. If you find that your class is acting out of pocket and you don't sit there and hand out the attention or kick kids out of class or write refers or whatever your school's thing is. I say that you have a conversation with your class and say, let me ask you this, because we're out of pocket right now. We're, this class is completely out of pocket, and this is what the school would have me do. I do not want to do that. I only want to win in this class. I want this class to be the best class that you have all day, and I do not, I'm not interested in calling parents. I'm not interested in all this stuff. What do we have to do so that I don't have to have that be the problem? And I'm telling you, that maybe not the first time or the second time I have this conversation, but it eventually works because the kids see that I'm trying to be something different. Now, I'm not trying to be different by throwing other people under the bus. I am zero interest in that. But in like just trying to help people out, help the students out um, by letting them be a part of the conversation, that really, really helps. And so this happened. I do this all year. I do it when they give me all the really difficult kids for my senior study. That's what I do when they give me all the really difficult kids every year for testing, right? Cho and I always get the room filled with like the most disciplined kids. And I always go, look, this is what everyone's expecting of you guys. Everyone's expecting that you're going to get in trouble. Why don't we instead have the best day that when anyone walks in here, we're all doing our work. I'm giving out lollipops. I'm like, and when we're, if we finish early, like we can like just chill and talk and stuff like that. But like, like, let's not feed into what the expectation is for this class because I want to blow them out of the water. And so that's my, my answer to that. I hear other weird noises. What is happening in our house?
house. There's a dog over there? Yeah. It sounds like you're eating a wrapper. <laughs> oh, it's, this is an odd night on the uh, old live feed. Um, Isabel. Oh, Isabel. I cannot say your last name. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry. I'm going to get good at it. No, I won't. I'll just never get good at it. Isabel, though, is a lovely name. I really like that name. I actually thought that would be a beautiful name for Marley, too. But Marley won. Um, Isabel's asking, next Tuesday, we have our first meeting with parents. Any tips? P.S. Wife has the sweetest laugh ever. Oh, she does. Thank, thank you. you very much. Um, look, I think when we had back to school night uh, last week, I think that going into back to school night, my number one thing that I tell parents is, look, before I get into anything, before I like, so my name is CJ Reynolds. I've been teaching for 10 years and I'm going to be teaching your kid this year for literature one or for my elective, the hip hop, the history of hip hop. What you need to know more than anything is that one, I really love teaching. And I realize that sounds like a dumb thing to say to a bunch of parents because I'm a teacher and why wouldn't I love teaching? But we all know that we've all had teachers. I know I had teachers growing up where I used to think, how are you doing this? You seem like you hate children and you don't like education very much. Like, I don't know why we're here. Um, so I like to let people know that. And I say, number two, more than anything this year, I want your child to be as successful as they possibly can. And I'm willing to do anything within my power to do so. So if there's ever anything I should know, anything that you're concerned about, anything you're wondering about, don't just ask your kid, please feel free to contact me and I would love to have the conversation with you. And I think those two things set the year off on such a different note, even if it's parent-teacher conferences, right? Like when I have parents that come in and they're irate, like, how dare you? You're like, and I get this like at least a couple times a year where someone comes in and they are on fire. My response, my response is always, um, what you, what I would love for you to leave here knowing more than anything is that I only want your kid to succeed. How do you think we should make that happen? And Bridget has a thing and it's going to be in the new course for uh, upgrade ed where that she learned from Red Lobster. She worked at Red Lobster for a long time. And she said the way that they handled customer service, she said their customer service was like, was like top notch and that she learned a lot. And so she uses some of those principles in the next Upgrade Ed uh, course, uh, which is gonna be on like conferences and stuff like that. And we'll get into that more later. Like, uh, but that, I, I think those are the two things I would wanna tell parents the most. Um, Shauna Caldwell is asking, what's up Shauna? I see you on here all the time. And I just wanted to say that. And your profile picture, I wonder if that really looks like you because it's a green person with their head decapitated. That's a weird thing to say. I don't know. I just said that. That was dumb. Um, anyway, question fell and broke both of my, oh, damn it. Then you got fell and got hurt. And then I'm making jokes about, it's my life. That's what I do. I apologize. I fell and broke both of my arms two weeks before school, and I'm just getting back to having an issue with my kids transitioning back to me as a teacher. Suggestions. I, look, I think one, it's going to be a transition. Number one, right? There's nothing you can do about that. Two, though, I think, Shauna, that when I have a toothache, when I needed a root canal, when I, when my grandmother died, when my kids have been sick, when my dog threw up all over the place in the middle of the night, I go in and talk to the kids about that, and I literally would say, like, like 
going in and saying, all right, listen, I need to, I really need to speak with you like you're adults right now. I feel like I'm having a really difficult time transitioning back in, which is difficult for me. Like I went through this thing and I got really hurt and I broke both of my arms and I was incapacitated. And like, just think about what that's like for a moment, right? I just want you guys like to think about that. And if you've ever think about how, if you've ever broken anything, what that was like for you. And I want you to think about how excited I was to come back to school, but now we're having this really difficult transition period. And that's not what I was hoping for. I was hoping for a really great year. I was really excited to come in this year and to teach. And now like I'm meeting with this sort of like, I'm, I'm feeling like we're, we're missing the mark there. Can, can you tell me what we need to do to get this class on point? Because I'm, I'm asking you because I, because I haven't been here and I want you to know that I'm more excited than anything to be your teacher this year. But I feel like we need to work together to make this a successful year. And then just see what kids have to say. Look, I think, and I've said this before, I think students are not used to people talking to them like they're actual adults, right? And some of them won't be able to handle it. They'll still be like, this is too much vulnerability for me and I can't compute. Or that she's really like sharing feelings. Stop. It's like kryptonite to kids' souls sometimes. But other kids will be like, damn, man, like I didn't realize that that's how you saw this or that's what you you felt like this was and it makes things real and and I think that having real conversations with real rap with kids is the best thing that you can do for them and if someone's acting silly while you're doing that just have like don't say it then but at the end of class pull them aside yo I, like what are you laughing at while I'm trying to like I'm like I'm bearing my soul and you're over here like crap like laughing like it's a joke and then they're gonna just say it's sorry and say no but what you need to know is that your, your words, your actions have power. And sometimes it hurts my feelings when you do that. Right. And I think that you're a great kid, but I don't think you're acting like a great kid right now. And that would be my answer to how I would deal with that situation. Um, sticking with sixth, I'm going to assume that you're a sixth grade teacher or you have six kids or cats. This is, I'm, (laughs) this is stupid tonight. I'm just saying dumb things. That are not nice. That's a really nice uh, profile picture, though. Um, I, like, I always like when people have like cool profile pictures. Um, how do you deal with old stuff, resenting any changes that were made by new? How do you deal with? Oh, how do you deal with old stuff, resenting any changes made by new staff? They refuse to oh, join any staff. of. Okay, any of the committees, but complain about anything that we do, saying that's not how it's done. Look, I think this is a great question. My CEO of my school uh, is one of the best dudes I've ever met in my life. Like he's just like, I don't think anybody dislikes him. And if they do, there's something wrong with that person. He came back this year because we had about half of our, almost half our staff leave last year, right? Because they were either unhappy or because they had stuff going on or whatever, right? And there were a few big losses in there, like teachers that I really cared about that I felt like were really great for the kids that left. But when he came back uh, and other folks left, I think, because they didn't like the way the school went, because they liked the way that it used to be. And he had this big speech in the beginning of the year where he was like, you can't hold on to what used to be like what used to be used to be. And so it can only move forward and progress. And things are not always going to look the same. And so this happens all the time with people, right, where they go like, you've changed you used to be like this and now you're like this. Yep, that's what life's about. It's about growing into something new and hopefully something better. And so I think 
if those teachers don't want to be a part of what's going on, I, so look, I mean, like, is it, I'm wondering if it's hurting you or hurting the school. Cause I would just hyper focus on the people that are trying to grow and do something awesome. And the people that don't want to, I just don't get down with them. I just refuse to sit in meetings with them, to be a part of a group with them, to hang out with them. Like I can be cordial, but I'm not going to like, like beg for you to, to be a part of something in almost every staff meeting I'm a part of, there's always a group of us that stay back, whether it's the ninth grade level meeting or it's when I was in the 10th grade level, or if it's uh, a whole school wide level thing, like they have, like everyone is there. There's always a core group of us that stay back and we're like, all right, now the meeting's done. Let's really have the meeting of what we're going to do and how we're going to get down and how we're going to make things better. And from a positive standpoint, not like a we're trying to undermine anything that's going on, but that's what I would do. And then I would forge those those relationships and fire, like have those people over to your house, go out for pizza one night after school, like go get dollar tacos on Tuesday somewhere because Taco Tuesday is the best Tuesday. So like just doing stuff together, I really think that sometimes in doing that, it be, makes it so attractive that people can't do something else, right? Like one of my favorite sayings this summer was, um, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, but you can make it really thirsty. And I think if you can make the horse thirsty enough, it, it, it's like it can't not. It is too enticing to not drink. And so I, I think by creating that that community of people that are really trying to grow and make things awesome – then maybe trying to invite people into that. Yo, we're all going out for drinks or yo, we're coming over to my house because I'm making Tuesdays tacos this week. Um, and I think that that might really help to, to do that. And if not, dude, you know, just, yeah, cut your losses and move on with it and it'll have the best year ever with the people that are trying to be a part of the growth and newness in the school. Teaching with Hansi is saying good day from Australia. Good day. Um, <laughs> You know who I'm talking like? Hamish, Hamish Brewer. Hamish Brewer. He's uh, <laughs> has the same publisher as me, and he just came out with a new book. And I am like, of all the people that like have been coming out with books and stuff, like he's a guy that I want to meet. But he's from his, he's from New Zealand, isn't he? Or Australia? <laughs> I'm not. I just I'm think he talks certain. like this all the time. <laughs> Hamish Brewer. I love it. Um, oh my. Hello, Australia. Uh, how do you deal with students who don't warm up to your silly or weirdness style of teaching? Oh, brother. Ha have some resistance the other day and have a have a great night or uh, day or night. It is in the middle right now. It's afternoon. So, look, I think, Hansi, um, this happens every year. There's always a kid that's like, man, I'll try my heart. I have a kid this year sits in the front row. And, bro, if you watch this, I hope you know that I'm talking about you. I try to make jokes. I go, look, um, his mom came in the other night for parent-teacher conferences, and I go, look, there's just one problem with your son that I've noticed lately. I really want to talk to you about it. And I go, he doesn't laugh at anything that I say. And even when I'm being really funny, like, is his smile broken? And even the mom was like, what? And I was like, oh, that went <laughs> all right. Have a great day. Uh, that was it. It was just so like, – it was like – Try to be so overtly dumb that they would get it and they just didn't get it. And I've had kids that like all freshman year, they're just like, they hate it. They just think it's stupid. They don't like it. And I, but I think it's because not just because they don't like humor. I just think that they are not used to it. 
But I will tell you this. Two students come back this year. Are you you're really cracking up over here? <laughs> I'm laughing at it. Oh. I can't talk because of my cold, but she said your Aussie accent needs work riddles. I so two students came back this year, right? I'm not gonna say their names, but uh they're both very, very difficult their freshman year. They're both seniors now. And I overhear them talking at a table because we were talking, we had like a group discussion in the beginning of the year about a book that they read over the summer. And we were having like some real talk about it. And I was giving real answers and they're seniors. So I can talk like a little bit differently than I would to the freshmen. So I hear one kid. So I go over and just talk to them real quick about what they want to do in the future and how they can meet those goals or whatever. When I leave, I'm talking to someone else and I overhear my name. So I listen in and, and I hear one kid go, Yo, I hated Reynolds freshman year. He was always doing dumb stuff and it just pissed me off all the time. But you know what? I think he's one of the best teachers I ever had. The other kid who I never knew liked me does still does not laugh at anything I say. Goes, nah, I give Reynolds a lot of shit all the time, but he's legit. I knew the first day that he was one of the best teachers we'd ever have. Bro, you can't tell someone that. Like, I think that you guys both hate me, but on the low, like they really like the stuff that I'm doing. So the kid that told me that he, he gives me a lot of crap all the time, but like he knew from the jump, I've been giving that kid hugs every day in the hallway where I just see him and he goes, well, it's just leave me alone. I go, no, bro, you, you look like you need a hug. And I had a kid the other day that I saw down the hallway. I go, bro. And he goes, do not come down here and hug me. And I was like, bro, you need a hug right now. And so I think, look, when kids are doing that, I think all kids want to laugh, but not kids have the capacity to do it because life's too hard sometimes, or they don't want to be vulnerable, or they're trying to be cool. I think just remember, you're planting seeds, and those seeds will develop over time, and you just never know what you're, what those kids are really going to think down the line. So it's like, if you don't like me, you're not impressed by my antics now, like, whatever, bro. I know one day you're going to come back, and you're going you're gonna to love it. Um, and that happens all the time. My buddy, Mr. Riedel. Uh, Mr. Riedel, I shared your locker combination video with a student the other day who has been just standing at his locker for about 10 minutes trying to open that sucker up. And it was great because I felt like it was full circle. Um, I had a rough start with my new sixth graders. How do you get their attention with unbelievable, uh, when unbelievably talkative, disrespectful class that don't quiet down when you need them to? I want to teach. I have that class this year. So we have a rotating schedule. So sometimes I get different. So tomorrow it's periods one through eight. The next day it's like period two starts and then it goes some other weird schedule on Wednesday. It's like period four starts and then it goes. So it's like all different every day. There are certain classes that want to have them at the end of the day. Oh brother, everyone's meds have worn off. Everyone has had the opportunity to get in trouble about 79 times that day. Some kids have gotten in trouble 79 times a day. And so now you're dealing with the repercussions of all that stuff. I find that the other day I started class with, so here's how I got attention. One, I came in and dudes were all standing up. They're walking all over the place. They're, they're in each other's space or screwing around. Um, and I, make an announcement. I go, I need your attention on me. And no one's listening. I literally had to use my megaphone, which I very rarely do in class, but it's a really good move because it's like louder than everyone. Um, and I calmly say, I need you in your seats. And here's the expectation going forward. If you come into my class and you're not sitting with your actual butt in the actual seat, then you are counted as late. And then certain number of latenesses lead to whatever. 
Um, so that that's one. Two, putting kids in the hallway and then having quick talks with them with no audience around helps as well. Three, having kids stay after school or join you for lunch and then real wrapping with them there because that helps also. There's no audience and you get to build um, a relationship with that student by having them stay back. Um, the other thing is by giving very like putting a timer on the board and which I don't always do because it gives kids anxiety. But when I have a class like that, it's like, bro, I'm putting five minutes on the board. That's how long you have to do this assignment. And that five minutes is done collecting that assignment immediately. And for the kid that was like, wait, I wasn't, I, I didn't know we were doing anything. It's like, bro, you just got caught. That's why I put the timer on the board and that's why I'm moving forward. Now, next thing that we do is guided notes. You have this long. All right, 30 seconds to collect this one, to get this one down before I switch to the next thing. It's only like two words you had to write down on one slide. So it's like 30 seconds is good enough. Um, and then as soon as everyone's on point, like when, when that train keeps moving and the kids keep trying to catch up, once they catch up and they're on there and they're quiet, gentlemen, I want to bring your attention real quick because it's all boys. Gentlemen, this class is perfect right now. Everyone's engaged. Everyone's doing what they need to be doing. I really want you to just take note right now. And I appreciate your hard work and your perseverance. I realize it's the end of the day, but man, I love this stuff. And then if they do that like two more times, I have a big giant bag of dum-dums, like a uh, little lollipops um, in my in my drawer. And I start giving those out to kids that are doing a good job or putting stickers on people's pages that are doing a good job. And kids that don't do a good job, I rip the sticker in half. And put, you, don't, you only get half a sticker, bro. You didn't even do it right. You get half a truck, whatever stupid thing I have. Um, and so it's. It, I think it's, look, it's not what you can do in a day. It's what can you do in a year. And sometimes it's whittling those students down and really helping them to see, like, you have to note the good behavior. And at the end of class, I said, we came in. Because on Friday, we do Weird Friday, and nobody was ready for Weird Friday. So they, I skipped the, the video, and I didn't show it to them. But by the end of class, I was like, I really appreciate the fact that you came in a hot mess. We got it together. You respected one another. It was a really fun class, and we got through what we needed to do. And I want to I honor that by showing you this video at the end of class. Um, the other thing I did was like when things got really quiet and kids were reading the journal entries, I started playing music under them and that made everyone laugh. And then you know, the, it is important. You cannot expect students to get what you're doing. You have to say, isn't this going great, right? Like this is amazing right now. Or can we just note that that was a great journal entry that my man did a really, really good job. Or I had a kid last week that did a really good project. And I, at the end, I was like, I just want everyone to know, right? Can we look at my man's project right now? impeccable, exactly what I was hoping for. Um, and I'm excited to see what you're going to do that year, that this year. That leaves that kid empowered. It leaves a good example for everyone else. And you're noting the expectations of what they're doing right, not always just what they're doing wrong, which is what I think a lot of teachers do. It's like, note the bad behavior, or this is what's going to happen if we're bad. Instead, it's like, what can we build towards? Um, and just, you have the stuff, bro. Like, I, I've seen you, I've seen you on YouTube anyway. Um, and, and like, just keep moving forward and know that you will wear them down with awesomeness and then your year will go. Okay. I promise. Um, Genevieve is asking, uh, I have five students in one class that are really disruptive and feed off each other. They are nearly impossible to separate and refuse to do their work. What are your thoughts on getting them to focus? Genevieve, I think that you need to find out what's going on there by, I would even keep those 
five dudes after school and say, look, this is, there's no chance this works. Like if you're coming into my class, the expect like straight karate kid here, the expectation is if you're showing up to learn that I'm showing up to teach. But if you're showing up to screw around, it's just not going to work because what I want right now is for you to be successful. And what you're showing me right now is that you're not ready to be successful. What you're showing me right now is that you're about to live in your mom's basement for the rest of your life next to the Christmas decorations, right? So how can we help you to do the best that you can. And then I think it's a conversation of showing that, like having a conversation about what does it look like to actually be successful in this class, right? It's not because I think sometimes kids think it's too big. It's too much. It's like I have to study for an hour or two hours every day after school, or I have to do this, or I have to do this, and I can't do it. It's like breaking it down into sizable chunks. So when you, and so like things like this, when you come in tomorrow, I need to see that you're in your seat immediately when that bell rings. Please do not let me see you out of your seat because that's what I want. That's the first step. Then when you look at the pre-class and you see what needs to be out on your desk, I need those things to be on your desk post haste, right? And then when they do it, bro, I see you when you don't let, don't let it go thinking just going by unnoticed. I see you in your seat right now. Like, oh, we got our stuff out on our desk. That's what I'm talking about, bro. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. And it's like those little wins. You're showing kids what it looks like to be a good student. And now look, some kids already know, and some kids are just like, they're jerks for other reasons, right? But in in building those relationships and stopping and, and talking with them after school, either together or individually, you're learning the story. And once you know someone's story, you know what's going on. I've had students in the past, I had students this year, out of pocket, like just completely off the charts, and I don't know what's going on with them. And then I've had kids in the past that I find out their mom died this summer. A kid who's being a complete pain in your ass in class, right, bars, um, that you find out that their dad just went to jail, that they, their mom just passed away, that their brother was killed, that they are in foster care, that they've moved again for like the fifth time since they've been in school. Once you know that story, the behavior makes sense. And now you can work like now it, you can help with the issue or speak to them in, in a way that might be useful because you actually understand what's going on with them. And I think that is huge. Um, it's about learning those stories as well, because right now they're just seem like the story I say in my head when I see kids acting up is, bro, you got everything and I'm Karen and my room looks like this and I'm trying my best. And you're, you know, like you live in a, like a community, you go to school in a community that cares about you and you're still acting like this, but it's like, that doesn't mean anything if you're, family's falling apart if your school if you're secretly dyslexic and you can't read for real like so learning those stories is going to be really what makes the biggest difference wait i'm going to jump to this question yeah someone said what do you do if they joke with you like and argue with you while you're trying to like lay down the law like what's what do you do then um I, i think what do you do when kids are joking around while you're trying to talk to them um See, I, it's like, when and where are you trying to do that? So here's what I would do. I would go find a teacher that you know they get down with, right? So like last year, this happened with a student. I had a student last year that was a pain in the butt all the time and would, like didn't have the capacity to have like what we call heavy, deep, and real. That's what my friend Sarah calls it, um, a heavy, deep, and real conversation. Um, so I had to go to Cho, and I was like, Cho, this dude is like, He's acting a fool and I don't know what to do with it. And then 
Cho was like, bring him in. I'm going to call him to my office at the end of the day. And we sat in the conference room and she was like, what's going on in this class? And his look changed immediately. Almost like you were goofing around and your mom walked in and you were like, oh, oh, this is, mm. this is bad. Um, and it made him able to hear what I was saying. And then because she vouched for me, that helped with that kid. It didn't solve everything because I think he just doesn't have the capacity to, yeah. I just think he's not mature enough is what I mean. But like, um, it definitely helped because it was like a united front. So I think that that is sometimes the move also is to find somebody. And sometimes it's not someone this year. Sometimes you have to go back to the year before to someone like, so you might have to connect for me, like with an eighth grade teacher or something yeah. like that to really help. Um, real quick, before I get to this question, someone emailed me a question and they said, what do you do when essentially, what was, the, what did she say? It was essentially like, what do you do when, do, let me read it. All right. Uh, I'm not going to say who it is. Uh, it's a new year, but I feel like I'm targeted by my administration. I voice my concerns as well as others in my team and grade band. I am not one of their, um, they're not part of the admin click. Um, they go in early, they stay late. They basically pick up the slack for their team and they're always they're They even admit it to being like a workaholic and a people pleaser. And any suggestions for staying positive, motivated, and dealing with admin? Look, I, I've been in situations before where, like, people ahead of me, not, not necessarily just admin either, but, like, folks that were, like, on the food chain a little bit higher up than me, because I'm just – I just teach, um, have done stuff that I didn't appreciate my move is always the same. It is always finding other people that understand what I'm thinking and are not just interested in just complaining about it. I have zero interest in just meeting up with people and just complaining about things. It is like, it is like so boring to me because um, I want to have a great year and I want to have a great school. And then it is figuring out exactly how we feel, exactly why we feel that way and exactly what we want to see done and then going to the powers that be and actually having a conversation, a conversation that looks proactive, productive, and is about growth. And it's not about like, I would just want to put you on blast for the thing that you did. Um, it's going in there with solutions. And then if that doesn't work, then you have a couple of decisions to make. It's like, do you want to still be at that school? Should you move somewhere else? Like, like what opportunities are available? I, I just think that's, that's how you do it. But I think that sometimes people are hurtful without even knowing they're being hurtful. And sometimes they're hurtful knowing they're being hurtful, right? Like, so maybe admin is doing that on purpose, but they don't think you, they're going to, you're going to step to them. And I think that the the move is to always step up. Um, and look, I've, I've been guilty of like not wanting to do that. Like there've been times I've told my wife, like, I just don't want to, I just don't want to even have the conversation anymore. Like I'm so over all of it. And then some member of my team will be like, no, you need to be the one that goes forward or I need you to go with me. Like I'll do it, but I need you to go with me. And it's like, all right, like let's do it then. And I, and I have to do it. And it is amazing what happens because I think a lot of times people are doing things, right? I'm be honest with you. People are doing things and they don't know they're being hurtful or they think that you're going to be weak. Uh, they've mistaken your kindness for weakness. So I'd say just go have the conversation, um, talk with your union, like, 
like uh, Tracy and Richard said, like. Is that Marley on the computer? What the hell was that? I think something from Some wooden, <laughs> wooden whistle? Oh, and then I hear from my childhood a voice in the back, you heard nothing. Um, so that that's what I would do. Uh, one question. Uh, oh, so I'm sorry. This is, uh, first of all, is it Tian? I think it is. Tian Tran. His initials are three T's. That's kind of <laughs> awesome. I wish my initials were three of anything. That would be awesome. Triple T. I mean, T. you have a three. No, your... be like you're hitting. Never mind. I mean, I'm just saying all kinds of stupid crap tonight. <laughs> anyway, uh, one question. Do you get anxious on videos and how do you handle talking on videos? Any tips on how to get rid of the jitters? Um, I don't, I got, I don't get anxious on videos because I have been doing enough of them, I think now. And I talk about this stuff so much. Like I talk about, so on here, I have an answer for so many questions because I'm always making videos. I'm always doing mentoring calls. I'm always working on upgrade ed. I was working on the book. Like I'm, it's this what I talk about the most. I even just sit here and talk to my wife about stuff all the time or like, what's the next book going to be about or whatever. I did get nervous on upgrade ed videos because I felt like it needed to be more professional than, and because we were like trying to create something that we would sell to districts as well. And even our vision for what that is going to be like the next group of videos for that is going to look completely different. And there's going to be like B roll. Like we're really excited and what that's going to become. And then eventually we want that to grow into, um, I think I'm allowed to talk about this stuff into this comprehensive <laughs> professional development site for teachers. So teachers could literally, if you have a student with dysgraphia and you can't, you don't want to read the whole book or you're not sure what book to read, you can purchase the course and then a professional that's on there that's already engaging, already knows their stuff about this, will be able to directly speak to dysgraphia or dyscalculia or dyslexia or uh, high-functioning autism or ADHD, like all these different things that we look over or we, we don't really talk about in schools, being able to talk to those things, like it's Netflix, like you can just click on it and like watch the video for that particular thing, like that makes me nervous. It makes me nervous that like I need to do a really good job to make something that's worth the time of an expert to come on and do something for. So how do I get over those jitters? I just, I seriously, one, I sit there and, and envision every single moment of it. And in every book that I've read by anyone that's successful, it is picturing the moment before it actually happens and actually walking through every single step. What does it feel like to sit down? What does it feel like to have that camera in front of me? How am I going to start saying this? Where am I going to look? Um, how am I going to, like the whole process, it's about walking through it ahead of time that really, really helps me. And then remembering why everything I do, everything is my kids first. It is trying to build something so I can help my children in what they're doing and, and try to help teachers, um, have resources that I never had. And I think that my, it's remembering that my ordinary is somebody else's extraordinary. And that is really impactful as well. What you got, dude? Um, someone asked somewhere in here yeah. if Upgrade Ed was going to have special education. Upgrade, Upgrade Ed is going to have, like, 
it's a deep dive into anything specific that teachers need. Let, let me say this, because when we were having trouble with special education in the last few years, and my wife had to literally became like the Aaron Brockovich of, of special education. No, no formal studies in it, just all of her own deep diving into stuff. And, and to the point where she was saying things to me that I'm like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about right now. And I'm a teacher. <laughs> I have literally no idea what that policy is, but she was like, like mentioning like stuff that was just so impressive. Anyway, what I would love to have on there is like, actual practical things that teachers can use in their classrooms if they haven't been trained. So last year, two years ago, my son gets a special, his pullout teacher for reading um, is a lovely one. She's really great. Like all of our qualms with the school have been with the administration and never with the teachers. The teachers have been trying so hard and really working with us. But this poor woman, I go, well, look, um, what is the school doing about, in this class about Brody's dyslexia. And she goes, oh, nothing. There's nothing in his, uh, about his dyslexia. And she goes, I'm not even trained. She goes, I don't know what dyslexia (laughs) is. She goes, that's like when you see numbers and letters backwards, right? And I thought, oh no, it's so much more than that. But the fact that they didn't even train her, what I would love to make is something that she could go to her district and say, hey, I want to take this course for this, like, bargain basement amount of money to be able to, cause I think that it's, 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 it averages out to be like $6 a class. Yeah. And so for six bucks, I can go on and watch this thing and grow from it and then be able to implement these strategies into the classroom for the student. I just think that is the move. So like special, special education, students dealing with trauma, students dealing with a whole host of issues is, is our hope. Um, Fotis Michael is asking, uh, I'm starting a podcast with educators and would love to have you on. I'm out in Long Island, New York. Any chance I can get you out here next summer? Yep, let's do it. Uh, so just hit me up, like send me an email, and I have someone that helps me with my emails. Um, Edie, the lovely Edie. Edie will get right back to you, and we can set something up. I'm waiting for a text from Edie now to go, I'm on it. She is. <laughs> she awesome. puts up with my incompetency all the time where – I don't know where things are in the email. And she's like, but that's because they're organized. It's like when my mom used to clean my room and I'd be like, I can't find my socks. And my mom would be like, dude, they're in the second drawer where all your socks are. And I'm like, oh, they're usually on the floor under my bean bag next to my bed. Like, did, did Edie just become my mom in that moment? It's possible. Um, Maisha is asking, what do you do when a person who is assigned to co-teach it with you, but you, wait, what? I think I just read this wrong. Hold yes. on, let me read it again. What do you do when a person who is assigned to co-teach with you but won't? Like, won't co-teach with you? You would call that a dream co-teacher? No, I don't know. No. Well, I, I do know, actually. Uh, so, oh gosh. Let's say this. Several years ago, there was a gentleman that I co-taught with. This gentleman would sit in the back. I hope you're watching this, my man. Sit in the back of my room and sleep every day, like, like knocked out asleep. Several times, admin came in. They would look at me. They would look at him, and I'm like, I don't know. What do you want me to do? He's a grown ass man. What am I supposed to do? Wake him up? Like, whatever. When he would wake up, he would just bother the kids. Like, literally, sit there. He's a very large dude. Would take a yardstick and would like hit kids' legs or be like, Yo, stop talking. What you do? 
better do your work. And I'm like, bro, you were just knocked out like 10 seconds ago. How can you try and tell someone else what to, what to do right now? So it got to the point where I like literally one day his job was um, vocabulary. That's the only thing I wanted him to teach. Everything else was just help the students out. He forgot to make the vocab test. We're talking about special education kids here. So he goes, everybody take out a piece of paper. Cause I go, yo man, did you, uh, you made the vocab test? Like we're going to start off with that. And then I'll just roll right into my lesson. He goes, uh, yeah, 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 I got it covered. I got it covered. So he sits in the front, take out a piece of paper. Everyone takes out a piece of paper. All right. Spell whatever the word was, right? What are you doing? This isn't a spelling test. Oh, and write the definition down. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, this isn't what we planned. Like, we planned, like, all week we reviewed for this very specific type of test that was going to be meaningful. And then all the kids got pissed off. Everyone failed. I had kids, like, crumbling up their papers and stuff. And he's, like, yelling at them. So I literally walked out of class. I went up to the to the curriculum. The guy who's in charge of curriculum at my school was a really great dude. And I was like, I will not teach with this gentleman anymore. Someone needs to make a change because this is what just went down in my classroom. And it's not the first thing. He sleeps all the time. This is what happens. This is what happens. And so, look, in my school, there's this big thing about like, and even the workplace, like you're not supposed to like snitch on people or tell on people. Hell with that, man. My focus is the kids. I want the kids to do well. And I don't feel like I'm being unreasonable to ask you not to sleep, hit kids with a yardstick and give them shitty tests when we're in class. So I think sometimes it's speaking up about that or so what i did was also i already had who i wanted to teach with and i said this is what we need to do this person's not a good fit for my class this person is amazing these are the results i can promise if they come and teach in my class and they switched them out and i got that person in my class so i i think it is try it is trying to figure out who to speak to about it so that it gets better um or I would have people just, I've had other co-teachers that were terrible also over the years that I would say, I want you to come in and see this, this class day, please, because someone is teaching. I just think that they're doing the students wrong. Um, and it's having that conversation sometimes, which is tricky because you feel like you're throwing someone under the bus, but like my job is not to, to deal with nonsense. Like I just don't suffer fools. Well, and I just want kids to have the best day ever. Um, and so and then sometimes you look out. Sometimes I get like a Yonkers or Fines was really w- wonderful with the kids. And my new co-teacher, Kayla, <clears throat> has been doing a really great job this year. Like I'm looking, I'm literally looking forward to like, like figuring out this year together to figure out like how we can maximize the class and, and have it be the best for the kids. Um, yeah, but that's a whole other conversation. Uh, I'm your Williams. I'm your Williams is a student at my school. He's a senior this year and he wants to be um, a teacher and at my school after he gets done at college and he's just a great human being. So I'm here is asking my job as student rep on the board of education. Oh, he's also the student rep. I think there's only two people in the whole city of Philadelphia that got picked out of all these kids to be the reps for the students. And I'm here got Good to be girl, one of them. I'm here. That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm going to get him a real rep with Reynolds uh, hoodie to wear to, to his meetings. Um, so. <laughs> It's, uh, it's starting to go really fast. I'm getting really scared and intimidated by all the policy stuff and just how many people I have to serve advice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, oh gosh. One. How, gosh, what would I say to this? I'm trying to think of like, if I'm 17, 18 years old and I'm in this situation 
and all the stuff is going by. Um, I would ask, what do you need? Like I would sit down with someone and say, I literally want to be the best student you've ever had come in for this position. What would that look like to you? Like how do, how would, do, do I make your job easier? Do I make this position better? Like is there any advice that you would give to me? And then know that that's what I'm going to do. And so sometimes it's like helping folks to give you a clear understanding of what's going on. And then I, I would, I'll tell you what, I would try and build relationships. I know relationships is my answer for everything, but I just think relationships are the answer for everything. Like how can you build relationships with those folks? And then when they say something about their kid, when they say something about their favorite team being like, Hey, um, how's so-and-so like when someone asks me like how Brody or Marley are, I'm like, Oh, and you remember their name. Like, that's really sweet. Like, or if you give them, uh, like, if you, I don't know, like if I hear someone likes a specific team or they really like a writer, like, then I don't know that anyone would anticipate you doing this, like as a, as a, as a young man, but like, um, I've gone to speak at places before and someone would mention a book and be like, Oh, I'd really love to read that book one day. And then I mail it to them and say, Hey, you mentioned this when we talked and like, I just thought that you would love it. That stuff goes a long way. Just like taking the time to actually get to know someone and letting them know like, yo, this, I'll take this lightly. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be the best here. So if anyone ever has any advice as to how I can be the best, like, let me know. And then they might lay out the job a little bit more clearly for you so that you understand what is expected of you as well. Um, and I think this is a good experience for you too, because you get to see like what kind of real life is like and how sometimes it feels like you're juggling fire and then figuring out how to like bite off more than you can chew and then chew in it. And I think that that is a lesson in, in tenacity. You just pulled the phone away from me. I I married, let's go, let's wrap up this tomorrow too. Come and see me at lunch or after school or something like that. And I, I'll talk more with you about it. Did you say that you had a custom made locker? I did in high school. Oh, someone yeah. Say. Oh, I custom made that I, situation. John Lopez is saying, do you have any old photographs of your custom made locker? I bet it looked amazing. John, seeing is how I went to school in the time of like taking a picture and then <laughs> drag your finger over the little dial. It would not have been cool for me to walk around school like that. And I was already suffering from the major lack of coolness. Um, no, but I just thought of this the other day because I thought um, I was students were open. I don't have lockers on my floor in school, but I was walking upstairs at the end of the day and I was seeing kids lockers and how some kids really care about them and some kids don't and how I would love as an incentive to like do like a locker makeover for a student. So like if I could get like access from the school or something and surprise a really particularly good student or someone that's gone through a lot this year and like outfit it, like make it look dope and like have shelves in it and like little pockets or drawers to put things in and like the, you know, customized coat hook and everything. I buy like these lights at Amazon that you just put batteries in and they're motion lights and like put they're magnetized too. So you don't have to screw them in putting them in there so it would like all light up and be dialed in would be a really fun idea. So it's, that's one of the things I'm, I'm thinking about this year. We got over there, dude. I'm going to drink out my. I'm kind of lost. Um, cause I had, I like, you got messed up. Text right. message. So hopefully we don't miss anything, but it'll be all right. Wife. I trust you. I apologize. Um, Hannah is asking, how do you go about telling administration at your new school that you're applying? Wait, new school you're applying for that you use social media to show your journey as a teacher. Uh, I don't know that I would. I mean, would you, would you share that? 
I, I didn't tell depends. my school when I started using. No, but I think it depends on how big. If you already have a substantial social media right, teacher point. presence, then yes. If you're not and you're just intending to grow it, I would say don't say anything until you grow it. And then you you grow it. Yeah. And then once it gets to the. Couple things. Aside. That's making me think of some stuff too. Okay, one, I, could help. I would, number one, I would not. I, if you're going to shoot in the school, a couple of just safety things. Never tell your room number or what floor you're on or like where you are, right? That's just a safe thing to do. Never show any students unless you have permission from their parents. Um, but outside of that, it's like if you're filming in school, like look, Michelle from Pocketful of Primary um, was like her school decided that they didn't want teachers shooting anything in school anymore, like having any social media presence or shooting YouTube videos or anything. That was like a district wide thing that they changed. And I know when I started shooting, I just didn't think of anything of it. And so I started making videos in school. And then that second year when I started growing a little bit more rapidly, the principal called me in and he was like, look, you can totally use the school. You can, if you have permission from the students, you can use them in your videos, but we don't want you um, recording during school hours. So Everything I record is at, so sometimes I take like a little snippet to just show like kids doing a project or something like that. But it's like little five to tech, 10 second looking videos that I use as B-roll, but I don't like film with students or by myself during school hours. Um, and then as it's grown, it's stayed the same. Like I haven't had any more like restrictions put on me. So it's it's being smart about that. And then just be mindful that even if you're having a hard time, do not bad talk your district because it's just like, it's, it's just not a classy move one. And two, that can be something that can come back to bite you in the butt. Like if you say something about the curriculum, you say something about the principal, like it's, um, it's smart to not do that. So even my examples that I often give are like older examples of someone I know that's already moved on. Like I don't talk about a lot of current issues because I don't, I'm not going to put my kids stuff out there. Like, it's just like not how I roll. So it's just like, those are a couple of things to be mindful of, but I don't know that I would tell them right up front. Like when you get the job, that's probably a better move to say like, Hey, look, this is something that I do because I'm trying to chronicle this. And I think it can empower young teachers. And it's something for me to look back on. Um, are there any sort of like restrictions as to how I can do this? Because if not, you can just go home and do it from your house. Like you can record everything, there's tons of YouTubers that don't record anything in the classroom. Michelle's whole new setup is uh, at her house also, like in a studio that she made. So she's, cause she can't do it in her classroom. And I think it looks really fantastic. So I think those are a couple of uh, things you can do as well. Um, this is the, yeah. yeah. I'm back on track. Back on track. Just like three more questions. Okay. Uh, Lavelsa is a very fascinating. I, I hope I said that right. That's a fascinating name. Great job. As if you picked your own name, because <laughs> you probably didn't. Um, for the first time in eight years, I had two kids get into a physical fight. It came out of nowhere, and I'm disappointed and saddened. But any event, any advice to come back from it? Um, I would say, gosh, I'd, I've had, uh, nah, I've had two almost fights in my class before, and I stopped it using the force. Um, Literally, I remember just like one time kids were about like they were like holding one another and about to punch. And I said, both of you stop now. 
And then they just stopped. And I was like, I can't believe that just worked. That's so ridiculous. Uh, look, one is kids are kids, right? Like they are, their brains are not done developing and they make rash decisions sometimes, or they feel like they have to front and that's the move, whatever it is. What I would do is sit down with those students and do two things. One, I would say, I'm really disappointed in you. Like literally, like I have such a high, like this is how I think about it. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like I have such a high, like, like my view of you is like, I revere you. Like, I just think you're a great kid. And like, it disappoints me that that's what, like, you wouldn't know what to do with how you were feeling. And so you would react in that way in my class. Like you would put me in that situation where like, I have to break something up, potentially get hurt. Like, think about me, like, think about my old ass sometimes. Like I get hurt doing this stuff, man. I'm too old for this. And sometimes that little bit of humor, sometimes that directness, sometimes telling students that they actually have power over your day. Like, and I don't want to give, like, I, like, ultimately I think it's, it's us. Like, I don't think that the students have any power over how we feel. I think it's us not knowing what to do with the pain and the hurt and the feelings and stuff, but letting kids know that like you were actually hurt by that and letting kids know, I don't want you to get hurt either. Like sitting down with students and either I I would, with those particular dudes, I would sit down and have a talk one-on-one and then I would have a talk together with them. Even if they've already had a talk with administration and their parents have come in and they've been suspended and all that crap. No, we need to have some real rap about this because I get the clinical kind of conversation that happens sometimes in those meetings. But this is what let's talk about the where it actually happened and what went wrong and how we're going to solve this in the future. And then that's where I would start with that. Unless you directly address things sometimes, it doesn't go away. It is that thing. It is in my life. I have had major issues with people and in, and those those folks would haunt me. For years, months, weeks, as soon as I directly address the situation, even if it does not go the way I want it to go, it shifts something. And then I have more peace about the situation. But if until it is addressed, it is always that nagging thing that like is going through my head of like, what, what are they saying? What are they thinking? What's going on? Like it's addressing the situation every time. And I hate to admit that. And look, sometimes I need to take my own advice on that because I don't still don't want to do it. And it's like, nope, I got to write a letter. I got to make a phone call. I got to go see someone and address the situation because otherwise it just haunts you forever. Um, Aurora Blue Dress is asking, I'm student teaching right now and struggling with <coughs> planning out how long it will take to read Romeo and Juliet in my, with my ninth graders. How would, uh, how would you set goals when reading Shakespeare with a nine, with a nine AP class? I, I just... Look, Parkinson's law says that an activity takes or a task takes as long as we give it. Meaning, if you have two weeks to write a paper, that paper will take two weeks to write. But if you don't do the paper for two weeks and you now have two hours to write that paper before class starts, you can get that paper done generally in two hours. I know that my house takes a fair amount of time to clean the entire thing, unless company's coming over in 20 minutes and then that shit gets cleaned miraculously fast. So it's, it's about, so don't get too hung up on the time frame. I give five weeks per unit. That's my flat rate. And I can speed it up or slow it down at will because there is endless stuff you can do with Romeo and Juliet. It is one of my favorite things to read, to talk about, to do, to analyze in class. 
because it deals with all cool teenage stuff. It's sex, it's drugs, it's gangs, it's fights, it's girls and boys and being overly dramatic about stuff and family problems and what do your parents expect of you and um, what are other people expect of you and are you selling out your homies because you really like a girl? Like all that is like is every Gilmore Girls episode, Dawson's Creek episode, Riverdale episode, like it's all the same story you've been hearing for the last 500 years and it comes out of that. And so, and before, like, so I would set five from the beginning of your unit to the end, to that final test, you have five weeks, which means you probably have about four weeks to actually read it and do all the assignments and then a week for review leading up to your test. That's how I would break it down. Um, all right, last question, just because we're running out of time and it's uh, hour and 17 minutes in. <clears throat> and uh, my kids got to eat. So, you know, because otherwise they start going, Mom, they come in and start whispering, we're really hungry. Is anyone going to feed us? Um, Rachel Donald is asking, hey, I'm also a first year teacher and my last and the past month really knocked me out. I know in my heart that I love this work and I'm struggling to get up and go to work every day. Any thoughts and advice? Rachel, I would say I have been dealing with the same thing, right? And in, 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 in a similar way. Upgrade Ed is most of the time a three-hour meeting twice a week. That means I come home and from 8 to 11, we have a meeting. I've been running every single day. I have been staying late every single day. I am behind on almost everything at school because I just do not have enough time because it's eight periods a day. I teach six of them, and those two preps are not enough time, plus an after-school program that I run twice a week. Um, and I'm teaching two different classes this year because the elective and the English class. I have a new co-teacher this year. Um, come home at night and I do mentoring calls or I do like a, a hundred of other like things from the publisher. I am wildly overwhelmed. I will tell you that last week I canceled or had my wife cancel everything because I felt like I was literally going to just, I was going to just turn in the dust. It was going to be like the end of end game. I don't know what was going to happen to me. I literally stopped everything. And when it came home at night, I just chilled. I played video games with my kids. I went for runs and not at the middle of the night, like I freaking did again last night, but like right after school, I watched a little bit of extra TV, like, and which I'm not even a TV watcher, but I just made myself not do stuff. I spent a little bit of extra time in my garden. It made such a drastic difference in my life last week. I can't even tell you. Sometimes we have this illusion that working more is actually what's beneficial. And what I'm learning is that, um, and I just saw a cool show on Netflix I want to tell you about too, that work is also taking a break. That's like literally giving my body rest, getting enough sleep, making sure I'm taking CBD at night, making sure I'm drinking my nasty smoothie during the day, my disgusting protein bar, making sure I'm eating a salad after school before I eat whatever we're going to eat for dinner. It is putting a hard time out. At this hour, I will literally be done everything and I have no more obligations for the rest of the evening for me. I'm eating dinner with my family. Um, is so crucial. It's still part of the work. Resting is still part of the job. I just watched a show this week called, what's it called Inside the Mind or Inside the Brain of Bill Gates on Netflix. It's like <laughs> it's only three really episodes. It's really good. And it, at one point, they talk about how Bill Gates is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Microsoft. That's all he did for years and years and years and years and years. Then he started instituting these one week a year where he would go to this island with no television, no radio, no phone, 
and just read and think and write. And that's all he would do. And how you get all these amazing ideas out of that. And so I really am trying to remind myself that taking time out, meditating, praying, exercising, being with my family, having time to laugh, having time to just do nothing is actually better for me than just planning and doing and doing and doing and doing. Even though I know the job's never done, even though I know I'm not 100% planned for tomorrow, but if my mind feels better, like I can have the best lesson plan in the world, but if I'm not in the best place in my body and in my mind, then that lesson plan doesn't mean anything. And now it's just a really great idea with really poor execution. I could take a mediocre <laughs> lesson plan and have that execution be 100% and feel like I'm on fire. And that lesson is always way better. So it's about figuring that out and dialing back. Take a week where you just are like, look, after six o'clock, I do no more work. That's it. There's And then, but during that time that you're working, you're 110% committed, which I realize is mathematically impossible, but you're at least 100% committed. And only doing that, not checking Instagram, Facebook, doing other things, trying to talk to your kids, trying to make dinner for anyone, like that's all you're doing. Um, and that would be my advice. So gang, look, thank you so much for showing up. I really, really appreciate it. Real quick, I have one ask of anyone that's still on here. I really, really want Gary Vaynerchuk to write the forward for my book. If what I've done, if what I create has any impact on your life, if it's meant anything to you, even if you never, ever, ever comment on anything, I would love if you would DM Gary Vaynerchuk and say, would you please write the forward to Reynolds' book? Um, and then if he gets enough of those, my hope is that that's really going to uh, affect him. So, because I'm just always busy, like I just can't get through to him, but I know if I can break through the noise, then I can win and I can have him write it. And I just think that his message is going to be impactful to, to teachers. It has nothing to do with me selling more books. Like I'll, I'll sell books to the people I'm going to sell books to. I just think that his message is going to be impactful. And I think it could be really wonderful. I hope everyone here has the greatest week ever. Um, I just want to recognize Jenna real quick. Nothing would be Thank possible you. without you. You're a hundred percent right. Um, the not so secret wife is, uh, is I would not, I would just be a hot mess if it wasn't for my wife. Um, and so look, we hope that you have the greatest week and that if you need anything, please reach out next week, uh, sign up for mentoring or whatever I can do to try and help you out. Don't forget about the Facebook group because all these dudes are in there already and they're amazing and awesome and kind and caring. So everybody, I hope you have a great week. Thank Peace. You. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it, and I hope you have a great week. Peace.